right, welcome back to another episode of the Empowerful Health Podcast. I've got a very special repeat guest. This is my first repeat guest. So we've got Stephen Merrill, a family doctor from Utah visiting. Welcome back, Stephen. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. We're going to dive right into a deep topic today. Stephen and I are both very passionate in practice and in our personal lives about mental health. He's a family doctor um, and sees and helps a lot of people with mental health and Rather than just, you know, like, let's throw pills at it. So let's find some active solutions. So we're going to talk about it today, Stephen. Great. Look forward to it. Um, so we talked about this a little time. You, last time you were on it, like a little preview of, uh, I had a conversation a few days ago with a friend and he's describing anxiety to me. And he's like, this is what, you know, and he's got the thing. I don't know. We were on the phone, but I'm guessing is the yeah, finger yeah, yeah. point. He's like, this is what anxiety is. And this is how I fixed it. And I'm like, to you was the phrase that came to exactly, mind, you know? Yeah. We talk about mental health. It's, you know, some very basics, depression, anxiety, ADHD are the most common. Obviously, there's a lot. But even within those three, there's so many different ways people experience it. Um, and personally, we've both yes. talked extensively over the years. We both experienced our own struggles and challenges with that. Um, and how, as a doctor, how has going through that experience helped you better serve your patients? I think that's fantastic. Great question. So I... Um, do my best when I'm working with my patients. And again, I'm a general practitioner working here in, in Utah. I do my best to never say, I know how you feel. Right. Because when I was going through the middle of my challenges with depression and anxiety, um, and it ebbs and flows, which I think it does for most people. Um, when I was in the most difficult time, I wanted to punch whoever was going to look at me and say, I know exactly how you feel or, or whatever else, you know, wanted to be shared. Um, so I tried, first of all, to never say that. And, and as you've expressed, it's really a personal experience that people go through. What I love about now having experienced some amount of depression and anxiety and thoughts of self-harm and, you know, trauma even is it does give me a recognition of some of the same symptoms that I see in other patients. And so when I sit down with them and say, you probably feel a little bit alone. You probably feel isolated. You probably feel like nobody understands what you're going through. You probably feel like, um, the world that you were dreaming of is completely crumbled and is gone and you will never be happy again. And it's really nice to start to recognize some of those same emotions in other people. And so what I'm able to sit down with them is, is just share, part of your emotional health right now is painting a picture that is a little bit off from reality. It's like looking at your genes, which I'm looking at are blue right. and the patient says those are brown. And I, I'm like, actually those are definitely on the blue side. And depression and anxiety creates this prism that we look through life and it skews our reality. And that's part of the challenge because rarely is it the patient themselves that says, I've got a problem. I need to come in and talk with you. It is normally family members or interactions that the person has had with family members or friends that have said something's off. I'm not completely where I think I want to be. And then we're able to have the conversation. Well, and I think there's a lot of that. We don't think it's really that bad, you know, mm -hmm. and there can, especially in current world, there's a lot of stress. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things people are, you know, going through that is normal, you yes. know? And so sometimes it's hard to know when it crosses that line into clinical versus just life is a little hard right now. Right. And I remember for me, it was a moment. It was, 
it was online. I was reading, you know, I, I was a, I was a sucker for those like top ten lists, yes. you know, like uh, totally. funny, like top ten celebrities who once were fat and now are skinny, kind of thing. <laughs> like they would suck me in, and they can sell you a lot of ads because you oh, have yeah. to click ten times. But one came across when I was doing that. It was top ten signs of depression in men. And I was saying, they're like, well, you know, life's been a little hard. I probably actually have a couple of these, you know? And I read through that list. Actually, it was top 12. I read through all 12 of them, had them all. And it was so depressing, right? Like, I joke about that, but it was like, I got more depressed and realized, oh, like, this isn't just a thing. And that's where a lot of people get stuck is they, there's two parts to it. They get stuck not thinking it's really a problem, yes. not thinking they need help. And then two, you kind of mentioned a little bit about, you know what, we, I try not to say, I know how you feel. Cause we don't fully know how Agreed. people feel. But when you ask questions like that, yeah, it kind of feels like X, Y, and Z. And then you see the look of relief on their face. Like yes. somebody gets it, you know, because one of the hardest parts about mental health is it's very isolating. Yes, It makes you feel like you're the only one. And I notice this a lot. I think women do it too, but I notice a lot with guys. Guys are like, all everyone else has it figured out. Everyone else is doing yes. really well. And I've seen guys in tears, not because I tell them I know how you feel, but because I tell them how I felt yes. when I've gone through these struggles. And they're like, oh, I literally had several guys look at me and be like, I really thought I was the only one. I thought everyone else had it figured out and I was the mm -hmm. only one. And I've shared social media posts about mental health. And I had people comment and women this time say, I, I thought this was just me. You know, and it's like that kind of isolation, I think as practitioners have who've experienced it really helps us yeah. to help people say, no, this is normal. And particularly with the events of the last couple of years, the stressors in the world, the costs of living, everything else, like it's more common than ever before. Right. And we need to be talking about it. We need to be not just taking a pill and hoping it'll go away exactly. quietly but actually having discussions and seeking kind of resources for that. And I, I think it's important to mention how much hope there is now in treating mental illness or mental challenges or however you want to put those labels. And I, I, I like to, when I'm discussing with my patients, share how not all of this is bad. A person who has, is experiencing anxiety and depression oftentimes are some of the most empathetic individuals. They care so deeply about something that even the thought of, a, a tragedy or a challenge or something can put them into tears. And that is frankly a power that you can harness as well. I talk right. to my patients about bridling the horses that they're riding instead of just shooting them out from under them. You know, can <laughs> sure. you, you know, it's can be healthy to be a little bit anxious to right. say, I've got deadlines coming up or I've got this that needs to happen rather than the completely apathetic person who you can't get off the couch. And so it, it, mental illnesses, I, I think is maybe better, that should be better described as just um, improving or fine tuning some of the characteristics and qualities that we have in our lives. And you'd mentioned or asked, when does it become a problem in general when it's disrupting personal or professional life? Um, and everybody will experience symptoms of anxiety, depression. I mean, frankly, even symptoms of bipolarity and other things that are, are uh, for most individuals, more scary terms to discuss. However, they're all spectrums. Right. And then we have to say, okay, what is the amount of this condition that you're experiencing and how can we help you get to a better quality of life? Rarely is it you, we need to eradicate your anxiety or you will never experience, um, you know, a, a day or two or three or 10 of depression. Sure. It's, can we keep you 
functioning, can we help you have a good quality? So we talk about the non-medicine ways first. I say, let's go through your sleep. What's happening with that? Let's talk about your physical activity. Let's talk about interactions with other people. Are you staying involved in things that are meaningful to you? Um, for a number of individuals, they say, well, I've never painted since high school. And I say, well, go paint. Right. Um, I, I've never thrown a Frisbee since college. We'll go throw a Frisbee. Um, and reconnecting Move with the things. body, be a yes. creative, connect with people, places, things like that. Absolutely. Exactly. So I will write them out as I'm describing these. And, um, when we get through those and we talked about therapy, we've talked about nutrition, we can come to medication. And I generally say how severely it is disrupting your life is when medicines can be beneficial Sure, because there's repairs that need to happen to the hormones of the brain, just like there are repairs they need to happen when a bone breaks or when the pancreas isn't kicking out insulin. So I, yeah, really enjoy, really enjoy working a couple of things you've said in here I wanted to comment on too was one, like these are normal processes, you know, and the more, well, first I was going to say, um, we look at like mental health conditions as this external thing and we label them, but that's just our understanding of it, right? We're experiencing something. We try to put words on it, anxiety, depression, bipolar, yeah. all this sort of stuff. We put words to try to describe and understand our experiences. And the more we either latch on to those words or we fight against them. Oh, this is depression's faults. And then we start yes. like battling. We're really battling within our own brain and it makes yes. it harder to recover. You know, if we look at it as something we're experiencing and we try to recognize, I, I had a practitioner years ago have me have healthy self inner talk. Great. And thought. like thank my brain, be like, hey, you know, when anxiety is kicking into high gear, I look and I say, hey, thank you. Thank you because anxiety is to keep us safe, exactly. right? You walk up to the top of a cliff that's 250 feet down, you're going to feel a little anxiety exactly. because death is right there. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like it's, it's some, it's an unsafe situation. The hard part is that when like picking up the phone creates the same anxiety response, that's not necessarily healthy, you know, but right. it's our brain trying to protect us from saying something dumb. And I put that in quotes or doing something that might, might embarrass us that'll lead to more depression. And so we thank our brain and be like, Hey, thank you for trying to keep me safe. And one of the, I remember very vividly this practitioner telling me, she's like, say, thank you for trying to keep me safe. I appreciate all the effort you've done over the years. I'm okay right now. I'm all right. The situation's not too scary. I'll be okay. You're good. Take a little break. And then like having this healthy inner dialogue versus like anxiety is causing me problems and we're fighting against it. Yes. And it's just, it doesn't, it's never going to shift, you know, it's not going to be there, but I had another example. Um, the lady that wrote E Pray Love, Elizabeth Gilbert, wrote another book Great. called the what was it called? Something Magic. Oh, I forgot the title right now. But if you Google, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert Magic, you'll find this book. But in there, she talks about um, she talks about fear and creativity because they don't go hand in hand. You know, a lot of times we don't create because we're scared of some outcome. And so she has this inner dialogue where she talks to fear and she says, hey, fear, creativity and I are going to go on a journey. We're going to write a book. We're going to do something out of the normal. Um, and I know that you're going to come with us, fear, because you always do. Um, and you're welcome to. We know that you're going to point out like what could go wrong, how this could fall apart, what people might think. But you've got to understand something. You're going to come, but you're not making any of the decisions. I'm going to make them and creativity is going to make them and you can come for the ride, you know? And it was a, such a funny, That's great. but like healthy way of looking at it. Like fear is a normal part of being alive because 
we could die at any moment. You right. know, like lots right. of stuff can happen to us, physical traumas, mental traumas. We could lose our jobs. We could, you know, someone we trust could hurt us. Like these types of things can happen. And so fear is part of that. But if we let fear always make those decisions, we're going to hold ourselves back. We're not going to reach our full potential. And it's not going to shift instantly. You know, if we've been living in fear and letting fear make those decisions or if the anxiety we're experiencing has got to the point where it's stopping us, yes, it's going to take a while to shift it but understanding the whole facets is important in that. I love that. And I use that a lot for insomnia because many patients, when they're having a difficult time sleeping, just think they come to me and say, I need, I need a sleeping pill. Right. And, and I work with them for a long time on now, hang on. Like if the brain is trying to keep you awake, it's doing its job. It's recognize something that is it's concerned about. It's anticipating. So rather than just drugging the brain, can we retrain the brain and say, thank you for letting me know that I've got that test coming up and this could potentially go wrong and that could potentially go wrong. And sometimes I'll tell patients to write those down so that you put it on paper and say, it will be there in the morning. I don't need to think about that right now. I can let that go. And that's been shown to help patients relax, let go of the stress, and then fall asleep rather than the brain is saying, hey, there's this really big problem here. There's a really big problem. And we take a sleeping aid. And we look aid. at the clock and we're like, I got to get up in four hours. Exactly. And I'm not going to get enough sleep and I'm going to be grumpy all day tomorrow. And like it just spirals versus yep. working with the brain instead exactly. of fighting against it. I exactly. Love that. Yeah. And sometimes the brain has been hurting for so long for so much that there is a role for medication and it can be beneficial, but it really should be helping the brain heal, not substituting what the brain needs to be doing. I talk about it with physical injuries. Uh, people ask my advice, like, should I take anti-inflammatories? You know, and I'm like, well, one, I'm a chiropractor. You know, I, I can't give you drug advice, even if it is over-the-counter stuff. And I tell them, like, inflammation, I said, this is why, caveat, inflammation is good. It's your body's trying to heal and get better. So the more you're suppressing that, the longer it's going to take to heal. But if you can't function, if you're in so much pain, like you can't go to work or you're yelling at your kids because you yes. hurt so much, like yes. there's a fine line and you're in control. You know, that's why it's over the counter meds. You're in control of what you should and shouldn't do and play with that. Yes. You know, see what you need to do to be there. And I think mental health medication is a similar way. Like, you know, yes, there's a time of healing and things, but if you're in, you're unfunctional, you're not able to do certain exactly. things, but you have to couple them. You know, if we just take the pill and make it wait for it to magically fix us, how many of your patients have been magically fixed by a pill, right? No, <laughs> it takes so much, it, it, it takes time. Um, and what I generally tell patients is if things are bad enough at home or in your professional or your um, academic life, um, then we generally say take several seasons where the medication has been working, you're at a better spot, and then you remember what it's like to feel more healthy. Right. And when you've been feeling healthier for that much time, then we can back down and come off of medication. But let's give you, let's help you remember what it's like. Well, the nerves are the slowest healing tissue in the body, right? They take longer to respond. And some of these habits were habits is a good way of describing some of these mental health challenges is yes. their bodies habitually been thinking the certain way that's led to this point. Some of them go back 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. 
And if we're expecting it to change quickly, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be frustrated. And then that makes things worse because it's like, well, I started doing five things and it didn't fix the mental health. So two weeks later, we're more depressed because maybe I'm the only one that this won't help. And we just, we don't give it enough time to create those habits yes. to see the long-term results and yeah. keep our eye on the farther vision. And I'll say it's, I generally try to give patients several things that can help them, right. but I try not giving them the expectation that all of them have to be in the air magically balanced in order for them to hit this, you know, nirvana of happiness or of healing for their mental illness. I generally say, look, these are levers that you can pull. You can pull them simultaneously, but don't feel the obligation to keep everything going because that backfires. All right. of us get overwhelmed when we have to do more than just a handful of things in a day. And right. it can be a tremendous success for somebody to say, Hey, I got out of bed and I showered. I had one yesterday, really nice gentleman who has been struggling with uh, medical conditions and mental health conditions. And as we've worked together um, and helped him see his own personal value, he came to the office yesterday with a shirt and tie. He had just finished a job interview. He had gotten nice. a job. And to see him glow with self-worth and, and a good self-pride was wonderful. And I have no doubts that his type one diabetes is going to be better controlled in, you know, the next two, three months because right. he's motivated because he sees his self-worth and he's not cured of his challenges, no. but he's capturing what can be when we, we try and we keep trying. And I hope anybody listening just keeps trying if they're experiencing suicidal thoughts, if they're experiencing, you know, self-loathing, um, which doesn't help any mental illness, um, keep going, keep trying, keep reaching, wait to do anything damaging to yourself or your body because life can and will be with good care better. Right. And that's one of the biggest keys to success with dealing with mental health problems is to keep going yes to keep moving you know we you say that you don't say this lightly and i i, I don't either is that I, I remember i had a, a big wave of those as i started my own practice i had several little kids i was overwhelmed by a lot of things and that's when my mental health started to become apparent that it was mm -hmm. something i needed to deal with right and i look back and i've had people you know once i got successful in my own practice like how did you do it how did you do it you know and it's like i just kept going Yes. didn't stop. You know, I had my guy eye on the goal. The goal was to have a practice where I could take care of people the way I wanted to, what the way I felt was best for them and to serve them in that way. Um, and it took a lot of effort, but it, there were times where it, it wasn't going the right way. I was struggling with my own things, trying to help people with theirs, trying to figure out how to find more people that needed my help, all this sort of stuff. But that key to success of keeping going, it, it, it's so underrated. And if it's just get up every morning and make your bed or get up every morning and take a shower, exactly. little simple things can, as we start to gain the confidence that, okay, I've done this for two weeks, or three weeks or six months or whatever it is, we gain confidence to try something else. Yes. Take a little bit more control and a little bit more control until we're not, you know, cured, like you said, right. of any, or of all of our elements, but we have power and we have control over what we're going to do with that and how yeah. we're going to impact that. And when you see the successes and it, they, they snowball, they build Absolutely. and it, sometimes you won't want to admit that you've had a success in something, 
because the pessimistic side of depression tells you that again, life will never be good. You will never be happy. There is no potential out there. And that's when I tell patients, I'm sorry, depression is a liar, right? Anxiety is a liar. And yes, they are trying to keep us aware of things that can hurt us, but it's so exaggerated most often that it's okay to tell like fear you can come along, but you're not making the decisions. Right. And I think that is empowering for patients to know they can feel zero interest in getting out of bed, but getting out of bed is the right thing to do, even though they have zero emotional energy to do it. And when they do it, they almost always, Hey, that was actually a good thing that I was able to do that. And if you're not at that point now, that's okay. This isn't a, Hey, you're never going to get better unless you do everything perfect. Right. The whole point is keep trying because there is light at the end of the tunnel. The future is bright. And that's been my personal experience and my professional experience as well in working with patients. Well, and you made a good point of celebrating those small successes yes. and realizing that, you know, some of the things that's helped me the most over the years is to not to look at everything that I'm not doing, but everything that I started, you know, look back and be like, okay, two years ago, this is where I was and I'm made this an X, Y, and Z improvement, it helps, you know, yes. to help that and to celebrate, you know, we try to minimize it. It's like, or we try to overcomplicate it. Okay. I'm going to take charge of this. So I'm going to do these 10 things. It's like, well, one, we just set ourselves up for failure because exactly. we're going to not, exactly. we're going to miss some of those things. Yes. Then we're going to get depressed yep. because we'll see, I couldn't do it. I'm, you know, act, we make all these assumptions. I'm an idiot or I'm, right. I'm too I'm not this good or I'm not like that person. It's my depression that's person. keeping me down. Yeah. Or, but if we do it simple and just keep that little things and take the time to do things that we enjoy and just slowly make that progress. I always tell patients, it's like the tortoise versus the hare, you know? Yeah. If we go running, we're going to be out of breath in two weeks. Yep. If we just start moving and start slowly and subtly doing it, we're eventually going to get somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it may not be that perfect health we think we want because no one has perfect exactly. health. I haven't met a patient yet and I doubt you have too. Nope. Um, we're all human beings with issues, but we can get to a better points. We can get to a point where we're doing the things we want more, we're enjoying it. And even more importantly, where we're impacting and serving others more, you know, yes. so many powerful influences in my life are people that went through real hard struggles, anxieties, depressions, health problems, suicidal thoughts, all this sort of stuff. And as they've got themselves to a stronger place, they've then been able to help me. I, it's the same me. I've been things that I've experienced help me help other people. You're exactly right. And I think that was one of the best motivations for me when I was in the middle of my, uh, my most difficult time was the potential for helping somebody else. And I don't think we can underscore that enough. Um, that's what helped me the most. It was before I even had a family and the idea of like working towards and providing for a family and, and realizing that dream um, was what helped me when nothing else really was. And so your thoughts and it's okay to have them be, in fact, I would encourage them to be those outward thoughts of, I can help somebody, I can help a family member, I can help an unknown person in the future if I can, if I can keep going. There's something that came up when you're thinking about this, keeping going, but also the other phrase I was just thinking of was, um, Give me a second. This can come back to me. One second. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> Pause while we rethink Jeremy's thoughts. This hasn't happened before. This is the first moment on my podcast where I lost my train of thought. Oh, it's 
there it is. It came back to me. I knew it was important. That's You're why. Good. That's why I stalled because I knew this was an important <laughs> thing. So all this build up, you know, got to listen carefully now. But ready for it. It's that our voices matter. You know yes. that every voice matters, and that your voice, you know, I, that yours matters. But whoever is listening to this, your voice matters. You know, and as you take charge and as you make an impact in your own health, there'll be other people that need to hear that voice. I had a really cool experience recently. I got to reconnect with someone I hadn't seen in a, a while. Um, and they, uh, I'd known them through church situation, you know, and they, they would come every once in a while and they came a couple times in a row, made a few comments in church, you know, in discussion groups that were really good. And then they disappeared, you know, they were working a lot. They worked on Sundays. They had a lot of different stuff they were going through. They were, you know, in a church full of families and they were single and they were, they'd just gotten divorced. There was all sorts of challenges this guy was facing and. I remember going over and this wasn't me. I can't take credit for it. I feel like it was an inspiration to sit down and say, "You, we need your voice. We need to hear you. And he, he ended up coming back to church and has made a big impact. You know, five awesome. years later, he has served in so many different ways, other people, and is still impacting people. And that's the thing I wish everyone would understand is that they can have that impact. It may not be, you know, national impact, you know, big things, but even if they impact one person, it's like the whole sand dollar stuck on the yes. beach story that if we can impact some one other person, we don't know how many people will be impacted through that. But our voice matters. The experiences we've gone through teach us stuff that can better help other people. Or when someone else's life is falling apart, we can just be there and be present and say, I may not know how you feel, but I've had my world fall apart and it sucks. Exactly. Right? And I'm here for you. Exactly. You know? And that's one of the big cool things about surviving some of these struggles and thriving through them is that we then get to help other people. And that's one of the reasons we need to have our voices heard. And we, you know, me, you and me need to speak up, but others as well, feel free to share their stories because yes. others need to hear that. And I can't tell you how many times someone else has shared a story. Well, including even last Sunday, I got to hear you yes. speak in church <laughs> and you sharing some of your struggles and challenges lifted me and it just continues to do that, you know? And as we're real, we, we sometimes don't want to be real because we want, we assume everyone else is yes. perfect. They're all going to judge us for our weaknesses. But when we open up, we'll realize no one's perfect and everyone has these struggles. And it's healthier to be human than it is the, the, the potential or the, the, the appearance of everything being perfect. I love what you said about needing people, needing voices. I share that with my patients as well, because I don't know if the person I'm helping uh, avoid suicide, distract themselves through that, and then heal is going to turn around and help my son 20 years later right. when he thinks I'm the worst person ever and I need to, I need somebody. And so I love, I love that idea. So for anybody listening, hang on, hold on. It might be you who is helping me or helping my family. So we need you. I need you. And so hold on, take the next step, even if it's the smallest thing you can even imagine. Um, or if it's just, I can't get the thoughts of self-harm out of my mind, then just wait, hold on, wait, and know that the future is bright. Well, in asking for help and seeking resources, I was just going to pull up and you may know what's the, uh, the new 988, 988 is the, yes, that's what I was looking fantastic up. national hotline for suicide prevention. If you or a loved one is experiencing a time of crisis, um, or if, uh, you 
know somebody who is um, 988. It's a fantastic resource. Um, one eight, uh, excuse me, it's got 24 hour um, therapists and mental health professionals ready to help. Yep, and seek that, seek help, look for resources in your community, people that can support because there's lots of people out there. There's lots of people that have experienced it and life is worth continuing on, so. Thank you, amen. Thank you for being here again, Dr. Merrill. We always appreciate it, uh, appreciate what he's doing in his community and what he's doing to impact those people in his practice is admirable. So thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, thanks for everyone for joining us. Uh, come back again next week for another episode of the Empowerful Health Podcast. Thanks so much.